Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen, Gregor McGregor, and we have a special guest this week, Ben Fisher from The Guardian joins us. Hello, Ben. Hello. Uh, just to clarify, you're a journalist for The Guardian, but a Bristol City fan as well, sure, yes, local boy. Bristol City fan at heart. So you get the privilege of covering the club that you love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a dream scenario. Fantastic. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about uh, the top 20 uh, most influential transfers to Bristol City. Gregor tells me he didn't write that, but he had a big impact on it. Uh, international duty, talking about Joe Morell as well, and looking ahead to Stoke this weekend too. Uh, let's begin with international duty, and someone that caught my eye because I watched Wales was, was Joe Morell, guys, and he's not even close to the Bristol City first team, but he's representing Wales. Yeah, I didn't see him playing the entire match against Belarus the other day. Well, it was Belarus, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. On Monday, yeah. On Monday night. Uh, but I did see a few clips via uh, Scouts. caught about 10 minutes of his match. And we spoke to Ian Mitchell more from Wales Online. And I know that Ian was really impressed by Morel and rated him as highly as, as I think, Dan James, who was given man of the man match, match in, yeah. in that game. So, yeah, put, put in a good performance. <coughs> Not bad for your first cap for your country. He's, he's at Lincoln, Ben, mm. on loan, obviously. Um, but what what is the path for Joe Morrell now? You know, he's good enough for Wales, but he's not getting in the Bristol City team. Well, I think either, either way, it stands him in good stead. Obviously, it's a bit of a funny one where he's had to, you know, he's made that Wales debut and obviously everyone, everyone sees that and he's at Lincoln and not Bristol City, his parent club. But Bristol City obviously regard him very highly. I think, yeah, it's one of those things could have worked out slightly differently. Yeah, he, he, he could have been in the first team fold, but he's playing football and that's the most important thing. And in terms of his development for the future, Gregor, what is going to happen to, to Joe Morrell now? I mean, his managers, the Cowley brothers, have left Lincoln. Is that going to be a bad thing for him? And uh, well, does, I, I was going to ask you, does he have a, a recall option at all? He, well, my understanding is I thought that every loan kind of has a recall option in January just for both sides to assess it. And, but sometimes clubs say, listen, you can have them on loan for the entire year, which is not going to recall them. Mm. So... There will be, if, if they do want to recall him, we'll have to see who gets the job there. I think Mike Flynn is the is the, is the the forerunner for that at the moment. And, yeah, whether it has an effect on his first team minutes that he gets there, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, we this is unfortunate timing, really, but we're speaking to Joe this Saturday because, obviously, Bristol Rovers boo, are playing up there. And our sports editor, James, is going up there to cover that game and then he's speaking to Joe after the match so we're looking forward to doing that and just on Joe what I know myself is that it's it's been a long path for him and yeah he, he didn't have the best of times at Margate and Sutton where he was on loan previously but I know that he's desperate to make it at Bristol City and one indication of that is just a little story I've been told during the week is how he actually accepted a contract on reduced terms a couple of years ago at Bristol City this is the information we've been given, and that is because he was desperate to make it mm. at Ashton Gate. I think he can see the project that's going on there. He likes Lee Johnson. And, yeah, I've spoken to Lee before about Joe, and he told me sort of <coughs> just before he joined Cheltenham, I believe, on on loan, he called him the unluckiest footballer in the history of football, which is maybe a, a slight exaggeration, mm-hmm. but is kind of reflective of, of the performances that Joe has put in in training, and and the the sort of sporadic appearances that he's made for Bristol City here and there. I remember Ipswich Town uh, last season. I think he, he was excellent in in a three two win over there. So yeah, I I do think unfortunately it's coming to crunch time and there's going to be a big decision to be made there. I think next summer 
And Lee Johnson is probably going to have to decide whether he's going to be given him first team minutes at Bristol City mm. or he's going to have to move on. But we'll see. I saw Ashley Williams uh, when I was watching Wales and he was invited to be in the dressing room. I think he spoke to the boys when they were training at the Vale as well. Gives indication how important Ashley Williams is to that Wales team, doesn't it? He's not even in it. But I guess if he was there, he'd be captaining them. Ben, what sort of role do you think Ashley Williams will have at Bristol City? It's only a short-term loan. Yeah, it's, I suppose it's what he makes of it. And I think the big thing is it's what Ashley Williams turns up. And I think, obviously, uh, you know, his camp and himself, he, he, he strongly believes he's a different Ashley Williams to perhaps the one we've seen in 18 months. The last two years, obviously, fell sort of badly out of favour. Everton, Stoke and... Uh, if we can see the fit, sort of healthy, strong Ashley Williams and, and the vegan Ashley Williams, then maybe that's the Ashley Williams that uh, will benefit Bristol City and himself. And I think ultimately he's, you know, he's clearly a good player. Obviously, over the years, did brilliantly at Swansea. And if we can see a little bit of that, then then maybe he could uh, make a big impression. I was speaking to his agent, and we were eating together, and he said, you know, he's on this vegan diet now, and he's made him really trim. Not that he wasn't trim before because he's a professional footballer. But what do you make of these these footballers going for these? vegan diets now and sort of turn their back on that traditional sort of protein meat-led diet. Yeah, it seems to be quite a wave, doesn't it? I was at Forest Green a couple of weeks ago and obviously there it's a, it's a big deal. Um, I think for him as well, clearly, you know, he's not getting any younger and he's obviously identified that as something that might give him that edge and different players. I mean, I think, you know, it sounds, sounds a bit sort of cliche, but the margins are so small. So if you can get something to turn back in your favour, then, then maybe that's it. I saw Ashley playing obviously 45 minutes on Monday uh, against uh, Birmingham City under-23s. That was at Ashton Gate. Not entirely sure why he played only half the game, but I suspect maybe just to keep him fresh for this coming weekend. Well, he was saying he wants to play against Stoke. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Lee threw him in. There's obviously that motivation of, of playing against his former team mm. and obviously knows the, the, the scenery up there. And, yeah, it reminded me when I was looking at the possible team about Marley Watkins suddenly reappearing in the Bristol City squad and playing, no less, um, coming off the bench against Norwich City when they went to Carroll Road last season. So I just I, I think he, he's got a good chance of playing this weekend. I think they might go back to three at the back and I think he might come in. And if he is to come in, Ben, you know, do you think he's fitness-wise he's going to be there? Do you think, uh, ability-wise, we know he's a good player, but he's sort of dropped off the last couple of seasons, hasn't he? Yeah, his stock has undoubtedly fallen. <laughs> I think he'd probably say that himself. Um, and obviously they want to resurrect that. I think it's City, it's an interesting one because at the moment, it, you know, Taylor Moore's made huge strides this season. He, he's really sort of come on leaps and bounds. Obviously, you've got Callas. Um, Nathan Baker, when fit, is arguably as good as any of those, mm-hmm. you know, as good as the rest of them. So it's not going to be easy just to sort of slot in. But I think Williams has got that sort of value. He's got that bit of nous that if fit, I mean, it's a bit of a. I think that was why it was a no brainer for City yeah. in the first place, to be honest. And he's that leadership that they might need having lost the figures of Marlon Pack and things like that. Yeah, I think it sort of makes sense for, from that point of view. And I think he might come back into, the, into a back three this weekend. I think they might go back to that 5-3-2 system, which is which has done really well for him on the road. I think they've got the second best away form in the championship. So it makes a lot of sense to revert back to that because it's, 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 it's going well using that. And I think it maybe gives a bit more cover to the likes of Taylor Moore, who was a little... I wouldn't say rusty, but but maybe at fault for at least one of the goals, possibly two against Middlesbrough. Okay, um, talking about international duty, Adam Nige was in action for Hungary, but it didn't look great, did it? Do you think he's going to be fit this weekend, Gregor? 
Well, yeah, again, I haven't watched him play, but we spoke to a couple of Hungarian journalists and he only played 65 minutes against Slovakia uh, the other night. I think that was Monday as well. And, yeah, the, the phrase was that he winced a couple of times uh, in, while, in, he in, while he was playing in the game. So, yeah, that doesn't sound too good. And I know um, a Bristol City fan has got in contact with me to say that they came back on the same flight as him and he had his his ankle bandaged, so that's not a good sign either. So it might be that he's not going to be involved this weekend, or certainly not from the start, but we'll, we'll wait and see what the club says officially on that. But if he's out, I don't think it's the biggest problem, because obviously Hanno Mazengo is there, he can play, he's been excellent. He was maybe a little bit rusty for me against uh, Middlesbrough, I just thought... Maybe, um, it's a bit tired. Yeah, the, the, the amount of matches that you play, that slog in the championship sort of caught up with him and, and his passing was a little bit affected as I think players' passing is when, when they get a little bit tired. And, yeah, so he might come back in. I don't. He certainly didn't play in France under-19's first game. I'm not sure if they had a second game. I, if they did, I don't think he was involved in that either. So he should be fresh, even though he stretched it off last game. I don't think it was a serious knockback. Okay, and uh, it's funny that you mentioned Han Nomasengo because that brings us on to the top 20 uh, best transfers for Bristol City in the last decade, which is a piece you may have seen on the Bristol Live website this week. We're not going to give you every number, but Han Nomasengo was in there. Uh, I'd say go and read it. It's a really interesting piece. It was mainly written by Gregor's uh, editor, James, but Gregor had a big impact as well on the number one spot, which was Corey Smith, Ben. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't think you can sort of knock or um, underestimate his influence at Bristol City over the years. Uh, great signing, uh, and above all, great personality, great person around the place, uh, humble. All of the things that I think nowadays, I'm not discounting it before, but I think the clubs are upwardly mobile clubs are really sort of big on. Um, you know, he can be great footballer, but are they good people as well? And Corey definitely t- ticks those boxes. Also, I think. And I don't think it's been alluded to before. When he does that, when he sits in that role, there's few players that do it as well as him hoovering up the scraps and sort of being first on the Tenacious, scene. Isn't he? Yeah, he sort of picks up those sniffs balls. the danger, and um, he's yeah, you know, above all, a really good player. And his character as well, Gregor, is something that I know you've spoken really warmly about. And we see him behind the scenes. He's very approachable because they have Bristol have a guy don't they for the players mm. yeah I think he, he probably encapsulates the kind of person they want on and off the, the pitch <coughs> he's, he's a great guy easy to talk to and yeah from what we know of him behind the scenes uh, I quite often see journalists approaching him if he's not playing and he's always got time for everyone doesn't matter who he's talking to fans um, people behind the scenes st- staff journos whatever and yeah he's, he's always a great guy to talk to always very upbeat and I can imagine that he's the sort of guy that you want in your dressing room and, and you want to build a club around and uh, he's the number one interestingly Josh Brown who was really high up as well Ben he's uh, still such a young player who's been captaining Bristol City this season are you surprised there hasn't been more Premier League interest in him yet or has there been interest that we yeah. just don't know about? Yeah, no, I think there's been lots of people would have, I don't know, uh, had uh, admiring glances at Josh Brownhill because of the way he's sort of very calmly gone about his business. I think he's, for me personally, I think he's done marvellously in, in midfield. Big onus on him <coughs> to deliver in the wake of obviously the big experienced players, you know, not on Pat going this summer. Mm-hmm. He's had to step in and I think he's, he's done that quite impressively. And even before this season, to be fair, I think he's grown and grown and grown. Ever since arriving, you know, he arrived quite a young, fresh face or baby face player, and now he's arguably one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, 
it's done really impressively. And also, I think coming back to sort of Ashley Williams and even Corey Smith, that these players are having to take on and offer responsibility that perhaps I think has left City a little bit naive previously. And I think if those players can step up to the fore and come to the plate, because it's it's all right having all the potential, but you need to, you know, at some point sort of grow into it. And I think Josh Brownhill, Taylor Moore's done a bit of that this season. Um, and I think all round, if everyone can sort of go in that direction, then it's a good place to be. Will Josh Brownhill go to the Premier League with Bristol City or someone else? Yeah, you, you would like to think so. I think, um, you know, he's, I think he's going places. I think on another time he could have he could have probably gone this summer and got that move but he he's done a lot for Bristol City and I'd like to think he could he could get there with them you know City is a really attractive club in the championship I think it's easy to maybe discount that uh, but yeah that, that, I think that stands um, Talking of, of players that have sort of either staying or going something we need to talk about is Callum O'Dowda and we still haven't heard what's happening with his contract Gregor believe he might be closer to signing now but it's a funny situation this one isn't it because anything could happen to him in the next few games he could get injured and be like Corey Smith Corey Smith's in a situation where his you know his contract's up at the end of the season potentially he could be without a club next season because he's been injured so why isn't Callum O'Dowda just signing on the dotted line and thinking okay I'll go and prove myself it's a good point and to an extent, actually, it's a, it's a little bit of a risk for the player. Or, mm. I, always, I think it always is when you go into that final year and you don't have anything sorted out for afterwards. You're right. What happens if he, if, if, um, yeah, he picks up a really nasty injury? With Corey, I thought the club did... That was a really nice touch um, from the club to give him another year with his contract expiring as well. We'll have to see how he does when he comes back in sort of January, February time from this ankle injury, sorry, foot injury and what happens with him but yeah with Callum O'Dowda I, I know that there's been talks still between both parties I'm not too sure there's been progress but the last thing I heard on that was that the club were trying to um, insert some kind of clause mm-hmm. and so that it might basically mean that he signed a new deal and but then if, if a certain club came in or somebody bid a certain amount or some some other option then he would be able to leave the club and it's a bit of a difficult situation, as you say, because he's actually probably played a bit more for Ireland than he has for Bristol City. Mm. And he's played this week, obviously, for Mick McCarthy in the second game against Bulgaria. And, yeah, he, he, he's been a consistent, really, for the Irish side. And then I guess from his camp's point of view, it's probably a little bit difficult to see him come back to Bristol City and, and not, not be involved. Yeah. Mm. But I, I do, just to round it up, I do think Lee Johnson is probably right in saying that we haven't seen the best of Calamo Dowder and... He's got a bit to prove yet, and he'd be best served by signing a new deal, settling down and concentrating on his game, getting regular first-team football. I'm not too sure he would go elsewhere and play regularly, certainly not at a higher level than, than where he is. But there was obviously interest in him in the summer, and Follow yeah, closer, maybe his camp mm. yeah, believed that, that, that there is. Um, ben, the contracts these days for players, they actually mean anything. You know, if Cameron Dowd signs a new deal in the next month or two, does that mean he's going to fulfil it or will he be off next summer? Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I think contracts are sort of dwindling in importance. Obviously, I think these days it's more that it preserves the value for the club and sometimes you see certainly players with uh, great affinity to the club almost do the club a favour by uh, helping them out. I'm not saying that that will happen in this case. Mm. Um, I think I agree with Gregor though and certainly what Lee said earlier in the season. I think in Camo Dowder's interest, surely he, he wants to play uh, play consistently well and therefore whatever happens on the back of that be it with Bristol City or elsewhere you know happens but um, 
I think contracts, I don't know, it's an interesting one. I think these days the the importance is more for the club and the value. The values are so important. Gone are the days of, you know, being able to lose player on a free or times ticking. And that window of, you know, clubs like to have sort of, whereas before it maybe was just 12 months on a contract, you want to add something to it. Now you want to have sort of two, three years absolute. It's a really good point, actually, because... I don't know if you guys heard it, but the John Lannistown One Stream in Bristol podcast, which was really excellent and included the chairman of Bristol City explaining how the players are assets, essentially. And yeah. that maybe Bristol City aren't making profits year on year and they're looking to achieve long-term sustainability. And OK, yeah, they're not doing that, but they do have more and more um, value on the pitch in terms of their assets. And that's I think increasingly that is what clubs look to to basically sort of balance the books in a way and and to explain maybe elsewhere that 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 is where their money is tied up and yeah so the contracts are absolutely vital to lock these guys down and yeah maintain value in them in that in that case let's talk about adam webster ben who left so late on and bristol city haven't really replaced him do you think they're ever going to be in a position where they don't have to do that and will it only be when they're in the premier league if they get to the premier league yeah, I think realistically, and to be to be fair to City or any Championship club, I think it's unfair to ask or sort of expect, I suppose, a club to turn down the kind of sort of life-changing, eye-watering uh, amounts of money. You know, anything north of even sort of anything north of ten, fifty million. I'm not saying for Webster, but for mm-hmm. players generally, it's still huge money. Mm-hmm. And in this case, obviously, it was nearer twenty-five. So uh, I think it was one of those. It was too good to turn down, and also for the player, not just the fee for for the club, also the, the sort of wages, the kind of money and sums that would have been sent his way as a package is you know it's different gravy for want of a better phrase and uh certain clubs can hold on to players this week Leeds have tied down calvin phillips five years but they, they have had to let others go to sort of accommodate that and they sort of cherry picked you know who, who can we let go and who do we really want to keep and ultimately calvin phillips was sort of number one in city in a way have done that i think quite successfully you know they, they've let webster go yes but they've They've clawed back, uh, you know, in, in other ways by Callas and Jada Silva, Josh Brownhill keeping him. And sometimes those ones are actually even more important to do than, than the other stuff. And is it an indication of where the championship is at? Most championship clubs would have to do that, wouldn't they? Yeah, I think so. I think it would be crazy to expect a championship club, as much as I would like to see here and say, oh, you know, great to see a you know, statement of intent or, or phrase that akin to that. I think realistically it's almost now an impossible for a championship club to turn down those sums of money. Yeah, OK. Uh, a championship club that's had a lot of money in the past and has had players come in on big, big uh, salaries and big fees when they're in the Premier League is Stoke, who Bristol City played this weekend. Um, it's a difficult time up at Stoke, isn't it? Bottom of the championship, only one point to their name so far. Nathan Jones is a man under pressure, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, time's certainly, uh, I was say, of the essence, but time's running out, I think. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one because, he, you know, he's gone in there and he's tried to change not just a couple of things, you know, sort of a major overhaul. Mm. Also, the, the squad is, was very bloated and he's tried to sort of imprint his own style. Whether Stoke is seeing that, sort of, I don't think necessarily they are, not getting the results they would like from it. Uh, big changes again in the summer and a few more faces and people leaving on loan, but... Whether it clicks sort of remains to be seen, but it, yeah, it doesn't look too good. But I would say Nathan Jones, you know, it's not like he's sort of gone in there and he's just turned into a rubbish manager overnight. You know, he's very highly rated, did a fantastic job at Luton. And uh, I personally would like to see him turn it around, maybe just not this weekend. <laughs> yeah, not this weekend. But what is the problem with, with Stoke, Gregor? I mean, Nathan Jones is a good manager at Luton. 
you know, he could have gone up with them, but he went to Stoke instead. Something's not clicking. But when you look at the calibre of player, there's still still decent championship players there, you know? James McLean is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, they've bought in Lee Gregory, which was interesting. Joe Allen. Joe yeah, Allen in midfield, midfield yeah. you know? Playing, um, playing for Wales recently as well. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Mark Spinks over there this week for, like, the local view, and I asked him if there were any shoots of recovery that he'd seen in recent matches and he said basically no there weren't so <laughs> I don't know if it's a good time or, or a bad time because I look at the, the squad on paper and I do think that at some point they're going to start to get results they're going to start to turn it around and I, I think this could be tough for Bristol City and they've got to make sure it's not this weekend I'm not too optimistic they're going to go there and win just at the moment but then why not again, because Stoker are in such bad form I, is this not the perfect time for Bristol City to play them well yeah some people look at it that way and I think just to answer your previous question, confidence is such a big factor. And obviously, there's so many players not not playing well, not comfortable there. I mean, look at Jack Butland and the individual errors he's made. I think he might be available again this weekend. He has been injured, which was convenient because Adam Federici then came in in goal. Um, But Butland made a couple of howlers, didn't he, earlier this season? It's just weird when players make such blatant errors. Where did they come from, you know? And Is that coming from the top down, though, the confidence issue? Is their manager not giving them enough confidence? Possibly, possibly. But we've seen Nathan Jones, as Ben was saying there, do a terrific job at, at Luton. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't he hasn't done a bit better at Stoke. I, I do think eventually, obviously, they're going to get some results. It's just atrocious record, isn't it? Five, five losses already this season and, and, and two out of three at home. So... Yeah, I kind of look at these matches, though, from a uh, a, a wider um, level and sort of bird's eye view and think eventually this season they're not going to lose every match, are they? So, no. So they've got to get some wins. Where they're going to come, well, normally it's... You're worried they're going to be Bristol so, City. Yeah, that is my worry. The only, the only thing is, obviously, that Bristol City actually, I thought, played really well on New Year's Day when they went up there last year. Family Jeju had a good game. Nicky Mainpar saved a penalty... And it'll come down to those small moments. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a score draw this this weekend, uh, as as so often is with Lee Johnson's teams. Quite often shootouts, lots of chances either end, like the whole game the other the, the other week, the Middlesbrough game. So yeah, I think it'll be exciting. I think there'll be goals. We'll have to see if they can they can get another win on the road. Benikafobi to not be available, obviously. Yeah, so that's, that's that's a big blow and. Jeju I expect to play because I think Lee Johnson will go with experience however I have to say Antoine Semenyo who by the way understand was on the England under 20 standby list uh, recently for their game against Switzerland which they won 1-0 and he's really pushing him to, to be involved he was excellent when he came off the bench against Hull probably should have scored in that game and he's been really good at under 23's level he scored on Monday I saw him uh, score against Birmingham City, the only goal, and then he scored also a couple of games ago at uh, at home against sorry Barnsley, and he was also very good at Elland Road in a in a under twenty threes game then as well. Well, it'll be interesting to see what what team selection he goes for. Um, ben, what do you make of Bristol City's start to the season? Obviously, after that loss against Leeds, it was a bit like oh, they seemed so far off the pace at that point. I think we were all there on the opening uh, Sunday when they played them, and there was a general consensus of like, wow, like Leeds look a class above and they did but since then that's not been the case for Bristol City No I, and I agree I, I was a bit sort of uh, smacked by the by the golf between the two teams that day especially after I thought City you know I expected sort of more if you like from that game but I think City reacted really well uh, I think the business they've done is, is reflected quite quite well on them obviously they've 
everyone that they've signed is coming and sort of hit the ground running, mm. which is really encouraging. You know, even young Hanno and Masengo, you know, just coming in and just pick up, the, pick up the pace like that is really impressive. Uh, and I think there's lots of reasons to be cheerful, and I think they, they go into the game in a really good place. Uh, in terms of where they're looking at overall for the season, do you think top six is realistic? Would you even say top two? Uh, I, pff, it's so hard to know. Right? I mean, th- this time last year, Norwich was 17th, so that, that speaks volumes, really, in terms of how teams can put these runs together and just sort of come out of nowhere or, or really build up steam. I Personally, I think they can certainly be in the mix for the playoffs. Um, top two, I think Leeds will, will go close again. With uh, whom? I, th- I still fancy West Brom. I don't think we've seen the best of West Brom yet, and yeah. they've got sort of a, an embarrassment of riches in some ways as well. Uh, and I, I must say, I do like Slavin Bilic, so I think I think that could come together nicely. But again, there's no, there's no reason they they couldn't do it. Um, Who's caught your eye, Ben, this season? Apart from obviously Leeds United, would, would you say Swansea? Obviously, they're the kind of obvious answer. There. Yeah, no, Swansea looked really good. I think Swansea recruited really. Um, sort of soundly given I mean given talk about Bristol City really having recruit, a big summer yeah. but they've had a real summer of upheaval you yeah. know new manager coming in Steve Cooper really interesting background obviously very academy based but they had to be so careful with money and things didn't they yeah so careful and in a funny way they've ended up with, with Boya and Andre are you both sticking around which it's amazing. nobody would have expected a yeah. couple of you know well weeks ago in some ways but certainly a couple of months ago so an amazing turnaround but it's also that that, that focus on youth a little bit like Bristol City I suppose it's a very young team there where they're really vibrant. In fact, I think that's why the game next weekend will be really interesting. It's huge, yeah. I mean, you're not here next week, so let's get your, your thoughts on that, because Gregor and I will obviously preview that. But is it going to be a marker for where Bristol City are at? Because Swansea, they might drop off, but right now they're the pace setters. I think so. I think it'd be fair to say that. Swansea are a really good footballing team. We've already seen that. They they play really good stuff, and they can compete. You know, they're not just sort of a, a, they haven't got sort of just a soft soft centre. There's a lot more to them than that. Matt Grimes has done really well for them in midfield. Um, and I think that, that game will be a really good uh, indicator of where City are at. If you were to put your neck on the line then and say where Bristol City will finish come May, where would it be? I'd like to say in and around the playoffs, uh, you know, I'd like to think they could go close. Um, I, th- I certainly think they have the tools. I think, obviously, it's a long way off, but January could be interesting depending on where they're at. W- would they change tact at all from what they've done in the last couple of years? What, spend? Yeah, would they, you know, let, let's say, sort of play devil's advocate, let's say City are really in the mix come then, would they be tempted just to put that little bit more in or, I don't know, stick with what they've got? It'd just be interesting to see how they play it. OK, what position are they going to finish then? Come on. I'm going to go seventh. Seventh season. it's a win-win that way, yeah. I think Gregor and I said they'd both just miss out. I can't, I can't remember Baby Ray, but yeah, you, I, you said just outside, didn't you? Yeah, I said top half, but maybe sort of eighth to tenth. But are you more optimistic now? After this first match, well, yeah, I think yeah, it's easy to be though, isn't it? Uh, yeah. With the start, I, I'm impressed with the start they've made, and maybe just sort of reflecting on what Ben said there, it kind of goes to show maybe that the get, having a big overhaul of the squad doesn't necessarily always, yeah, mean that you're going to be affected by it results-wise. And mm. that was my worry with Bristol City; they made a lot of changes in the summer. Mm. Ten, twelve new players coming in. And, but then I suppose when I looked across the league, it did seem there's a lot of business done at every club. And yeah, as we're saying there, Swansea, one of those, and it doesn't seem to have affected either, either of them. So yeah, impressive start to the season and things looking positive. Yeah, but you think Stoke might be a big ass? About, yeah, well, I, I just, I'm just one of these people who thinks eventually You're they're, a they're, yeah, they're, <laughs> their um, form will turn. Okay, fantastic. Ben, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you could give people your Twitter thank handle. Thank you. It's Ben Fisher J. 
Uh, hopefully we'll have you back on because I've, I've obviously got to take a, a break at some point. So if you could fill in for me when I've <laughs> popped this baby out, that would be great. And uh, Gregor will be back with me next week. We'll be looking ahead to Swansea, reflecting on Stoke as well. Uh, thank you for listening. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. Robins on the Wire.